So we are on week four, the fourth week of our series called Trader. And um, if you were here on our first week, we uh, gave the definition of what that meant. What does trader mean? The definition, uh, it was defined as follows. A trader is a new kind of missionary, not defined by geography. Where you live doesn't make you a missionary. The mission you are on makes you a missionary. In other words... I mean, we have this tendency to think that missionaries are only those who the church sends out overseas to a specific location somewhere around the world. And um, those are missionaries. And, and of course, those are missionaries. Certainly they are. And they're crucial for the cause of the kingdom. They are. We're so thankful for the, uh, the missionaries that we support here at Trinity Church. We're, we're passionate about missions here. Right? But church, aren't we all sent out by God, right? We are all sent to be missionaries in our own contexts where we live. You and I are called to be missionaries. So for the last few weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be this new kind of missionary, what it means to be a trader. And so the first Sunday, we, we mentioned that the first thing about a trader is a trader chooses daily to abide in Christ. And we talked about John chapter 15. And it's a a powerful passage. I think it's very, very important for us, especially living in the West today, that we take John 15 extremely seriously. It's a word for all of us here. Because listen, there are so many things that can distract us and pull us away from Jesus Christ, from abiding in him, connecting connecting with him, remaining in him, rooted in him. There's so many things that can pull us away and distract us from Jesus. And so we need to understand this message as a trader that we need to choose daily to abide in him and not be pulled away by the things of this world. Second week, we talked about a trader as someone who has, who has a heart that is passionate about the things that Jesus is passionate about. We talked about traders being those who hate injustice because we are called, the church is called to be agents of justice in this world. It's a dark world. We are called to be the light in the darkness. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, right? We are the agents of justice in this world. And third, last week we talked about how a trader is someone who works as worship. For some of us here, we spend half our lives, half of our waking lives while we're awake at work. And we talked about how we could spend that time worshiping God in all that we do. We talked about Paul in uh, Philippians 1. 20 to 21, where, where he talks about to live is Christ and to die is gain. That his life is to honor Christ in his body. And what he meant by that is, listen, everything I do, I want to do it in such a way as to make Christ look great, including my work. And when we do that, people at work see something different about you. And so we talked about that. That's the third uh, characteristic of a trader, uh, one who works as worship. And today we are going to be talking about, this is the last sermon in our series, a trader is someone who acts swiftly for the time is now. For the time is now. 
Now, before I get into today's sermon, I just want to make a few acknowledgements because we're going to be discussing kind of a heavy topic here. It's a big topic, but I'm not going to get into the specifics of this topic, and it's the topic of the end times, okay? We're going to be talking a little bit about the end times, but I just want to say this for starters. I'm not going to be getting into any of the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, any of those kinds of debates here this morning. That's not what we're talking about this morning. If you have no idea what I just said, don't worry about it, okay? Sometime we could, you know, get into that, but that's not the point of my sermon this morning, okay? What we're going to be talking about today are the signs, Signs of the times, because that Jesus made that very clear uh, in his word, what the signs of the times would be. And so we're going to be talking about that uh, this, this morning, signs of his second coming. Now, I need to be really honest with you this morning. Uh, I've been following the news um, a lot, I guess, in the last year and a half, close to two years now, uh, not just a little bit, I mean a lot. I've been following the news a lot and just the weight of all that is happening in the world around us today has just been upon me and it's, it's heavy. It's very heavy. The rate, the rate in which the world is literally crumbling is astounding. You can't ignore it. I can't ignore it. And and personally, I've struggled with how to deal with the weight of this world, right? The, The, just everything happening. I, I've actually felt this heaviness and, and I know the short answer is just give it to Jesus, right? Cast all your cares upon him, cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you, right? Jesus burden, his yoke is light, his burden is light. Give it to Jesus. And that's the, of course, of course we need to do that. But I just want to say this as your pastor, this burden is heavy and I feel I must share this with you, right? Not to discourage us but actually to empower us with what Jesus has called us to do in this hour. Because I believe the return of Jesus is not far away. It's not far away. I believe it's very soon. Now you might be thinking though, but James, people have been saying that for a long time. A long time. Every generation, in fact, has been saying that. And you know what? It's true. You're absolutely right. Ever since the birth of the church, it's like every generation People thought the second coming of Jesus would be in their lifetime. In fact, if you were to go back into church history and read church history, it's like every hundred years or so, there was a, that, that generation believed they were the final generation on earth, right? Way back, goes back thousands of years, right? Every generation thought that way. But one thing is true. One thing is clear. We are much closer today than they were 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago, right? We're much closer today. In fact, in the last 50 years, it seems every 5 to 10 years, a new theory of when the second coming of Jesus would be would just arises, right? Sometimes less than that. A famous televangelist who's still on the air today uh, predicted in 1976 that the end would be in 1982, A NASA, former NASA engineer, he wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Could Happen in 1988. And it didn't happen, so he revised it and said, maybe it's 1989. Well, and that didn't happen. I think he revised it one last time, and I I think he gave up now. But uh, these have been happening for a while. In fact, even just a short 
time ago, five years ago, an American Christian radio broadcaster predicted that the world would end on May 21st, 2011. I'm not sure, maybe you've heard of this. Uh, there were billboards in the States, in Denver, Colorado, and other parts of, parts of the States put up. Are you ready? Jesus is coming back May 21st, 2011. Right? And so we look at all this, and they, none of those predictions came to pass. And we, and we say, we, we look at all these and all this and say, see, I mean, people have been saying it for a long time, James. But the thing is, we won't know exactly the day when it happens. Jesus made that very clear as well, right? Matthew 24, 36, this is what Jesus said. But about that day, talking about the end, about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, get this, nor the son, but only the father. Jesus says no one knows the exact day, but he did say that we would know the signs, that we would see signs of the times. And he made that clear in Mark chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Mark 13. If you don't have them, no problem. The the screen, it'll be up on the screen there. Uh, But just before we get you know, just before I dive into Mark chapter 13, here's another way to look at uh, why there have been so many predictions of the end times. Okay, here's an analogy. Okay, now, of course, I have no idea what it's like to be in labor. Okay, no idea. And so when I say this example, I understand I don't really know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I just thought I'd say that just, just for the ladies. Okay. I know, I know what you go through. It's un- unreal. You know, actually, there was this uh, YouTube clip that I watched of uh, two guys. They went to this clinic, and uh, they got all these things hooked up and to simulate labor. And uh, it was hilarious. And I thought, you know, Tim, we should do this for Mother's Day. <laughs> I was so joking. And don't try to look for anything in KW if there is something like that. Don't look for it, okay? I was just kidding. But uh, <clears throat> anyways, okay. The thing about, uh, so, yes, I, I have no idea what it's like, but, you know, it's interesting. Jesus uses the metaphor of birth pains as the signs of his coming. That's the metaphor he uses. Now, one thing I remember about, um, so, Ali's pregnancies, uh, I think, especially for Eden and, and Ezra, can't really remember for Lydia, but definitely for Eden and for Ezra, we remember that she had these pre-labor contractions. They weren't really contractions. They were kind of false contractions uh, where just the, 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 the womb just tightens a bit. And it happened uh, mid, mid-pregnancy, so far from being full-term. And uh, so we later found out that these were called Braxton Hicks contractions. And they're kind of like the dress rehearsal for the big day. Okay, that's, that's kind of, I guess that's kind of what they were, right? They were just, it's the body's way of saying, you know, we're just preparing the body for the big day. Okay, and so I remember they were kind of precursor contractions or tightenings or whatnot, right? Like the dress rehearsal. Well, in a similar way, the signs of uh, the end have been happening for a while. And there have been people who watched for these signs that Jesus talks about in Mark 13, and they've been seeing them. They're seeing them happen, and they're discerning that the end is near. But it didn't happen for those who predicted it. I mean, in the early before 1,000 and 1,200, 1,300, 1,500. It didn't happen, but they were certainly seeing signs much like the Braxton Hicks contractions. It was kind of like the the precursor uh, signs for the real deal that was yet to come. But I must say, 
the events that are transpiring in the world today, they are increasing in intensity and frequency. And it's almost like every week there's another contraction that is triggered in the world today. And so let's look at Mark chapter 13, okay? Mark 13, I'm going to be reading from verse uh, 3, where it says this. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things happen. When, When will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Talking about the end of time. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines, but, and these are the beginning of birth pains. Right? So there Jesus uses that, uh, that metaphor there, birth pains. Now, the whole of Mark 13 is talking about the signs of the end, but I just want to focus on this part of the passage uh, for today. Um, And so let's look at some of them real quick, just real quickly. Number one, in verse six, this is what Jesus said. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. Okay. Many will come in my name claiming I am he. Now, in recent times, there have been many people. Actually, there's been quite a few who have claimed to be Jesus Christ claimed to be the second coming of Jesus Christ. Here's one, for example, this, I mean, you got to get handed to him. He kind of looks like what, what Jesus would look like, I guess, right? This guy, his name is Vesarian. He claims to be Jesus Christ reincarnated and he is, uh, in Siberia in the taiga and he has a kind of a, an isolated community out there. And, uh, there's over 10,000 people, uh, in that community. And there are thousands outside of the community who believe that this man is Jesus Christ reincarnated. Okay. And so that's, I mean, he's around today. The next slide, this is Reverend Sun Myung Moon, okay, from Korea. Sun Myung Moon, now he passed away in 2012, but he had a massive, massive following. I mean, somewhere between one and two million people followed him. And maybe you've heard of the term the Moonies, right? The Moonies uh, was kind of a derogatory term for uh, their, the name of their church or the name of their group, which was the Unification Church. Uh, they actually have a longer title, uh, Holy Spirit Association of Unification of World Christianity. That's, that's what they called it. Um, but one to two million uh, membership. And he claimed that he was the Messiah. He claimed that he was the second coming of Jesus. In fact, he said that the Jesus of Nazareth did not fully fulfill God's purposes, and therefore God sent him as the second Jesus to fulfill. And many people have followed him and still are a part of this uh, movement today. Um, He passed away again in 2012, but his wife took over, and uh, it's still around today. Finally, I just want to show you one more. This one is uh, just out, out, I don't even know how in the world. (sighs) It's amazing how people can be deceived. It's unreal. This was Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda, 
a Puerto Rican leader, cult leader, who passed away in August of 2013. He had, uh, again, just like the Moonies, a massive following, 2 million members in 30 countries. And uh, he claimed to be, here, here's the weird thing about this one. He claimed he was Jesus Christ. He also claimed he was the Antichrist. Okay? Both. He had his members tattoo 666 on their body. Can you, I mean, for real, if you ever get a chance to YouTube, Google, Jose, De, Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda, okay? It's actually for real. And people did it. I mean, two million members. It's, it's astounding how many people have been deceived by these people who, what Mark, 6, Mark 13, 6 is talking about. It's happening. And this isn't all, folks. There's more. In fact, there's one. I didn't put the picture up of this guy. There's one in Australia. Jesus of Australia. His name's A.J. Miller. And he has quite the following as well. A lot of it is online. But uh, he has a group out in Australia. He's building a commune in the uh, outbacks of Australia. Again, this is like Jonestown repeated. How many of you have heard of Jonestown, right? Jim Jones. I mean, there's like five or six of them happening at, at this time right now, right? And, and this Jesus of Australia is one of those. And, and it's funny. It's crazy because I, I, I watched one of his, there was a news I can't remember which news uh, headline it was, but anyway, they were interviewing this guy in Australia and uh, they kind of, they were filming his class and on the whiteboard he wrote, I am Jesus Christ, deal with it. And I'm like, wow. And it's for real, folks. For real. Mark 13, 6 is happening just as Jesus predicted and it's staggering how many people are being deceived. Millions are. Millions. Now, number two. How about number two? Wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And of course, we can look at this one and say, well, now that's of course been happening for a while too, right? And that's true. Of course, there's always been war. There's always been rumors of war. It's been a long time. But let me tell you something about the 20th century, okay? the last century, more people have died in wars than any century prior to the 20th century. Over 180 million people have died in war. That is the highest recorded death rate ever in history for any century. World War I, World War II, the wars that were in between, wars that, wars that were happening after, okay? Huge numbers of people have died in those wars. Now, after World War II, there seems to have been some quieting down uh, of, of, of war, but tensions have been escalating in the Middle East, and it seems to be growing. We don't hear about it too much in the news today. We hear a lot about Trump and Clinton and other things, but we don't hear about, you know, the stuff. But it is happening. It's the, the tensions are escalating. There's growing tensions in the West um, with Russia. Iran, North Korea, China, Turkey, not to mention this ongoing battle with ISIS or ISIL or Daesh, whatever you want to call them, right? There's just so much potential today for a cataclysmic conflict in this world. Now, again, I'm not predicting anything here. I'm not, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm just saying the potential is there. And Mark 16, 7 to 8 is happening for sure 
And the rate at which things are unfolding is staggering. It's staggering. Number three, there will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Now, the U.S. Geological Society has indicated that in 2016, just this short time, six months, not even six months, there's already been 79 um, significant earthquakes, uh, 4.5 magnitude or higher, just in, in the six months. Um, there's been way more, of course, below, under four uh, magnitude, lots more, in fact. Uh, but the significant ones, there's been 79. We've heard of at least two of them on the news, two major ones, right? There was one in April, uh, actually two in April, one in Japan that was a 7.0 magnitude earthquake. It rocked uh, southern Japan. And um, I mean, it's just, just devastation there. And it, it didn't just get rocked once. They got rocked a couple times. And then the day later, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit Ecuador just one day later. And so it's happening. Just the rate in which things are happening is astounding. And famines, they aren't just happening in third world countries, right? We, I mean, we've heard of famines happening for a long time. But when you get a chance after the service, after Okay, not during on our smartphones. Just want to encourage you to check it out after the service. Check out Venezuela, okay? Check out Venezuela. Just Google Venezuela and you'll see a lot that is happening in an oil-producing country, in a country that is not a third-world country. There, are, there is massive food shortages, right? Coca-Cola, in fact, decided to halt their production in Venezuela because there's no sugar. There's, there's a shortage of sugar there, Okay. And this is not a third world country. And so it's happening. Things that Jesus talked about in Mark 13 are happening and they're happening at an astounding rate today. The birth pains are here. That was tense. Okay. (laughs) That was tense. I know. But church, I just want to say this. Okay. Because this has been a burden that's been quite heavy on me for a while now. And I feel that I need to, as your pastor, I need to share this with you. Um, again, not to discourage you, but to empower you, to encourage you, uh, because God has a plan, even in the midst of all that's happening. But there are two extremes that I want to point out of how we can take all this, okay? On the one extreme, we could totally ignore everything and just say, whatever, all this stuff has been happening. I'm going to live my life. Everything's cool here. Who cares about everything else? I'm just going to, you know, live my life comfortably, quietly. That's fine. Okay, but here's the problem with that. We are, it's becoming harder and harder to ignore what's happening in this world. And it's going to get even harder, especially as a Christian, especially for followers of Jesus. It's going to be more and more difficult to ignore the state of the world. Okay, not just for the things that we talked about in Mark 13, but morally, the moral fabric of our society is crumbling Okay, it is becoming more and more uncomfortable to be a Christian. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but it's definitely uncomfortable and it's going to get worse. I don't think it's going to get better. It's going to get worse. But I say that to say this, the darker the darkness, the brighter the light. God's going to shine through his people in this time. I know it. I know it. We just, we need to be those who are traitors and say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in for what you're going to do. But there is that one extreme of being totally ignorant to what's happening. Okay? 
Now, the other extreme is fear-mongering. Based on all that's happening now, is just doing things out of fear. Let's go dig a hole and let's go hide in the hole. Let's just hide. Let's prepare. And I'll be honest with you, there, there, there are times where I felt I needed to do that. But that's coming from a place of, that's not coming from a place of faith in what God's going to do. Right? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-control, or sound mind, or disciplined mind. Okay? We don't want to go to the extreme of being fear-based and do things out of fear. Why? Because God's got this. <laughs> Have you read the end of the book here? The end of the book is a good, it's a great ending. God wins. We know how this is going to end. We know where we're going. God wins. God's people win. Amen. Amen. Right? We're going to be with him in glory. The kingdom's going to be established. The imminence of the kingdom is what we need to focus on. Not the imminence of everything collapsing. The imminence of the kingdom. Jesus is coming back. He's going to establish his kingdom. There's going to be no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death. It's going to be done with. How awesome is that? Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the end. It's a great ending. We have nothing to be afraid of. Nothing. Nothing. God's got this. So how do we view all that is happening? Well, we view it as a clock ticking down the time of Christ's return. Because ultimately, the time is coming where people will be divided into two places. Eternity with Jesus, eternity apart from Jesus. That time is coming. And we need to be ready because God's going to use us to bring people into the kingdom. Now, there are two extremes in how we view the clock ticking down. Okay. On the one extreme, there are those who are isolationists who just separate themselves from the rest of the world. They say, ah, the the world's going to hell anyway. I'm just going to, you know, we'll create our own little holy huddles here. And uh, don't worry about the world. They're, they're going to hell. So let's just stay in our little huddle and wait for the second coming of Jesus. Right? Let's just wait. Right? That's not what God has called us to do. That's not what God has called us to do. He said, go, make disciples of all nations. Why? Because he wants all people to come to a saving knowledge of the truth. So we're called to go to make disciples, not to make holy huddles. Now, on the other extreme, though, there are the universalists. They say, well, eventually everyone's going to get saved someday. Eventually, everyone gets to heaven. And let me, let, me, let me just say this. Honestly, I wish that were true. Because if we're sitting here saying, that person deserves hell, or that person deserves hell, listen, we're being hypocrites if we say that. What are you talking about? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one's exempt from that. I certainly am not. So for me to say that person deserves hell, wow, I, do ha- I have no right to say that. It is by the grace of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sin that we are here. 
We're saved by grace. Listen, we, we don't have the luxury of saying that. Right? I wish it were true. I don't want anyone to go to hell. I wish it were true. But the Bible just doesn't give room for that to be true. It doesn't. Jesus talked a lot about the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares, paradise, lake of fire. And here's the thing. If universalism was true, man, I'll just go fishing for fish, not people, just fishing, right? I don't, who cares? Everything's going to work out in the end anyway, right? But Jesus calls us to be fishers of men, of people, Right? He's looking for us to be traitors, those who will live on mission for him. And especially now, because the time is now. He's coming soon. And that's the balance. A traitor is someone who sees what's going on, isn't worried or concerned, but rather compelled to shine the light of Jesus into this desperate world that needs him. Right? People need Jesus. Our family members need Jesus. Our neighbors need Jesus. Our friends need Jesus. Listen, our enemies need Jesus. And God is calling us to be those who bring people to himself. He wants to use us to shine his light into the darkness. Yes, it's getting dark. Yes, all these things are happening. But listen, this is the greatest hour for the church to rise up. This is the greatest time for the light of the world to rise up and shine Jesus. The way we live our lives, the way we go about our daily living, people seeing something different about you and saying, I want what they have. Look at the world around us. Why are they so joyful? That's how the Christians converted Rome. That was a big part of how the Christians converted Rome. When they were being taken to all sorts of atrocious persecution. The way they were going to it was like, why are they so joyful? What is it about them that they can go through this suffering yet be joyful? I want what they have. Church, that hour is upon us now. The time is Short, Jesus is coming soon. And so I want to leave you with this question. With all that was said in the last four weeks about what it means to be a new kind of missionary in our context, in our day, my question is, will you be a traitor? Jesus is calling out to you and I, He's calling out to you and I what we need to do. All we need to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will live for you. I will abide in you. I will be an agent of of justice in this world. I will work as worship to make Christ look great in my living. I want to do all that I do to glorify Jesus so that people will see you. In me. And I will go because I know the time is now. Are you willing to be a traitor? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord? I'm not going to ask anyone to raise your hand or point anyone out. I want to say, just as we're, we're going we're gonna to pray in a minute, I'm just going to say this. 
in your hearts, just pray to the Lord, Lord, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me, use me, anoint me. Because he's looking for a church. He's looking for people to be the light in the world. Let's pray. Father, I know this uh, message is heavy. Um, Lord, with all that's going on, it's hard to be complacent now. It's hard to stay comfortable now. Especially if we want to represent you well in this world. Father, we need you. We need the anointing of your spirit. We need to abide in you because apart from you, Lord, your word says we can't do anything. We can do nothing apart from you. If we're not abided in you. So father, now we ask you would hear our prayers. We want to be those who live for you to make Jesus Christ exalted, glorified, magnified through our lives in our workplace, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, schools, wherever we are, we want to shine the light of Jesus brightly in this dark world. Father, I pray for divine connections of those who are living in darkness, who you want called out into the light. I pray, Lord God, that you would connect us, those of us in this church with people around us who need Jesus. God, I pray that you would give us the words in that very moment where we meet that person, whether it's our neighbor, our coworker, a member of our family, whoever it might be, Lord God. That you would give us the words to say. That you would anoint us by your spirit. To bring people into your kingdom. Help us not to slip back into complacency, Lord, but to truly live to glorify you in all that we do. So, Lord, we just give this all to you. May you be praised in this place. Let your glory shine forth in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a, have a wonderful week.